What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's show. Today we have Janine, the pricing lady, and we get into some fascinating conversations about how do you price things? Where does the value come from? Um, inflation and so much more. It was a, an amazing conversation and I can't wait for you to listen. Let's drop in and hear what she has to say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Goo Yao Now Show. I'm Bob McIntosh, and today I'm joined by Janine, the pricing lady. And by the way, I love I love when people have like nicknames that are like easy to remember and also clearly <laughs> communicate exactly what it is that they do or they can help you with. Because let's be real, like there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of folks we can listen to or follow. Um, and you know, as much as I am a huge advocate of personal branding, um, taking it to the next level of saying like, hey, here's the thing that I do is even better. So I'm excited for this conversation. Um, Janine was recommended to me by another one of my guests. And uh, what I'm finding so far in a lot of these amazing recommendations I've had is that the conversations don't go anywhere that I thought they would, but it goes exactly where it needed to be. And that's the best part about it. So uh, without any further ado, uh, we'll, we'll dive into it. I'm excited to have each and every one of you here. Thank you for spending some time to listen to this. Um, Janine, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you being here. Thanks, Bob, for the invite. I'm happy to be here. Perfect. Um, so uh, for everyone who doesn't know anything about you, which is probably most people, uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you know who you are, your background, <laughs> um, and let's go from there. Yeah. So as you said already, my name is Janine, also known as the Pricing Lady. I'm U.S. born. I've been living in Switzerland for 20 years now, grew up in California, and I started my career as an engineer, as a structural engineer designing buildings. After about three years, I realized it wasn't what was going to uh, fulfill me. So I decided to switch and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but eventually ended up in product management. When I landed there on day one, they handed me a price list and it was 20 years old. And looking back now, <laughs> I can I'm say that was probably like the beginning of the end. That, <laughs> like that paper has that like, you know, crinkly feel. It's kind of faded, like almost like that, like they poured tea or coffee on it. And you're looking at it going like, what the heck? I was <laughs> like 20 years. And there was just something about that. Not, you know, and I wasn't very experienced in business and, and things like that, but I knew enough to know that that wasn't right, that there was something wrong there. Um, and through my work there, we were able to, I mean, I redid all the pricing, we modulized everything. And we went from it taking more than a week to get offers out the door to it taking a day, sometimes maximum two if they were really big offers. So for me, that was really a turning point where I found something. Um, I didn't really know what it was at the time, but I found something that really interested me and where I could deliver a lot of value. That's, it was that's also, awesome. yeah, it was, it was. Mm -hmm. And it's with that company that I came to Switzerland in 2001. Okay. And when I decided to stay over here, when I got out of my own way, <laughs> decided to stay over here, I got a job as the global pricing manager for a large multinational. And that was when I started doing pricing all the time. And I got a certification as a certified pricing professional. Okay. So I, I want to know more about this. So a uh, funny story <laughs> about pricing. So my, I work, my dad owned his own business for a long time. And, uh -huh. you know, of course I worked there uh, as a, as a teenager in high school. And one of the things I would have to do every year, this is the craziest thing. And this is, this is, this is my certification in, in pricing. <laughs> um, they would print out, they had like, I don't know, like 40,000 parts. 
and they would mm-hmm. print them out on on uh, eight and a half by eleven, like size six font, and I'd have to go through the ruler and multiply every price by like one point oh three every year <laughs> to get the new price. And I remember sitting there. Now here's the crazy part: we had a computer system that literally could have been programmed to just say you know, do this for me. But instead they'd have me like, you know, a ream of paper at, you know, and so anyways, that was where my pricing certification came from, which I'm sure is not nearly as uh, relevant as yours. So I'm I'm very curious, Mm -hmm. what is a pricing, like, what does that even mean? Like, what does it mean to get a pricing certification? Right. So as I far, as far as I know, currently there are two places that offer this one in the States, the professional pricing society. And then here in Europe, we have something called the European pricing platform, the EP. Uh, I got mine because at the time there was only the PPS, the Pricing Society out of Atlanta. I got mine through them. And it's uh, you attend a certain number of credits of programs. And then you have to sit a four, I think it was a four hour exam. And it was when I did it back in the day, it was before you could do it online. So <laughs> you actually had to go with it, you know, a pencil and, and do everything. And basically it covers all aspects of pricing, which... Hmm which probably to most of you doesn't sound like much because most people's definition of what pricing in is, is fairly narrow, but it covered, it covered quite a lot of different things. It was really, it was super interesting. (laughs) I, I never knew what the world of pricing was like until I got in there, but I did know that I had landed somewhere where I could bring a lot of value to companies in a very tangible way. And there weren't a lot of other people who could do it. That's like the uh, the holy grail of job positions at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, typically, uh, quite often, as well here in Europe, I know better. I don't know about in the states, but quite often here in Europe, it will take people easily uh, six months, a year, or even more to replace high level pricing professional professionals when they need to, because there aren't a lot of them with a lot of experience. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So let, let's talk about this because uh, yeah. before, before the show, we, we were referencing that, you know, one of the questions I get from a lot of my coaching clients mm-hmm. and some of my, um, you know, people that I mentor and just all around, you know, mm-hmm. is how do I decide on the price of whatever it is that I'm offering? And right. I'm sure you have some, some interesting insights into this. And obviously uh, I want to frame, I want to frame this question mm-hmm. real quick. Okay. Everyone that's here, you know, that's listening or if you're watching or listening to this, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there's a range of services, products, offerings, things that you could be doing. So take it into context, like everything mm-hmm. on this show. Right. Um, you know, if, if she starts talking about a very specific example that's not relevant to you, that doesn't mean that you should just tune out and say, well, this is not relevant mm-hmm. to me. But understand right. the concepts, the basics, the tenets, because at the end of the day, yeah. all of this stuff is always relevant to all of us. And even if you listen to it and you're like, nope, that's not for me. It's OK. There will be another uh, nugget <laughs> right. throughout the show somewhere that will be. So with that in mind, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I'm a if I'm a new entrepreneur or, you know, trying to figure out what I should be pricing my mm-hmm. services at, and, you know, obviously products, we have cost of goods sold and things of that nature in there. But mm-hmm. um, if you say services, like where, where do I even start? Like what, what are the th- yeah. things that I should be considering? Yeah. So in the way that I work with people is the process itself is the same, okay. regardless of what you're offering, which is part of the beauty of it. Um, and there are five steps. And depending on your business, some of them will be a little bit heavier and some of them will be a little lighter. So like, so the five steps are customer, offer, value, market, cost, and profit. Okay. 
So obviously, if you're a product-based business, the cost and profit is a bit heavier exercise because right. you have all these materials and cost of goods and things like that, labor and whatever. And oftentimes, the competitor part or the market part is a little bit heavier exercise for some of your service-based businesses because they tend to rely on that a bit, although not always <laughs> correct in doing that. Not always so. the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are there are things to be aware of. Let's put it that way. I, I try not to speak in ulti, in ultimates because it it it's you know it's usually gray. Let's put it that way. But those are the five things. Now, where I find people have the biggest transformation in these five steps is in the value piece. Right. And earlier you were saying, well, I usually tell people, you know, well, what's it worth? But that's the value piece. And the better you can quantify the value the more it puts your price into context. And I'll give you a quick example. I was working with a client earlier this week and they ha were selling uh, workshops for large multinationals okay. in a very specific area. And the target audience for these workshops were the CXOs. So your CFO, CEO, CTO, so on and so forth, right? So those were the, that was the target audience for this workshop. Now, this person was selling these workshops, a workshop for four to eight people for about $800. Wow. <laughs> so if you're not going, oh my gosh, that's really low, then you should be going, oh my gosh, that's really low because yeah, exactly, it is right? really low. And if you just think about, okay, 800 div divided by eight people, that's $100 per person to attend a half day workshop for, you know, someone like, uh, you know, Bill Gates or, you know, I, Right. For a CEO so some, of a company. Someone making, that, someone making that number like per an hour or maybe even a minute. <laughs> uh, that's what I was to say. Probably more like a minute. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it was really, really, but to her, it's, it felt like a lot at the time when she set the price. So then we started looking at the value and we're like, well, you know, how much do they earn in an hour? What is the value of their time? You know, what risks might they be avoiding if they were enabled to prove improve whatever it is you're talking about in the workshop, improve that in the business or in their personal life. You start to quantify and all of a sudden we're talking like 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, even a million in some cases of dollars. And so all of a sudden she's like, wow, I never thought about it that way. My price is way too low. <laughs> right. Yeah, And it's that it puts your price into context. And that creates a big shift in feeling more confident about the prices that you're setting. So would you say in that particular mm -hmm. example, you know, and, and, and let's, you know, even take that more broadly when someone's setting mm -hmm. a price for the first time, are they usually not taking into context these five things and just kind of saying, well, that feels like a lot of money to me. And so that's where I'm going to go. Like, you know, mm -hmm. the edge of what feels okay. Not necessarily what actually makes sense. Right. So here's what here's there's two sides to this. So your product based businesses, typically they'll say, oh, cool. I've created this really great gadget mm -hmm. product. Yeah. It has these costs. Let me add it up, add up the costs and put a margin on there. So they do offer and cost and profit, but in my opinion, they ignore the most important thing, which is the customer, and the second most important thing, which is the value. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then also they skip the competition. They might look at it, but you know, really they're basing their prices on a cost plus, which has right. 
a place, a time and place, but for most small businesses, a cost plus price methodology and an economy-based strategy would go together, but cost plus and value don't generally. You very either way you end up over or underpriced nine times out of ten or ninety-nine times out of a hundred. Now your service-based people go, I do this really cool thing and I can change your life. <laughs> and then they go, but I'm new. So let me look at what everybody else is doing. And because I'm new, I'll price 10% below that. Right. Yeah. And again, <laughs> what's missing? The customer and the value. And for them, an understanding of cost and profit, which is, am I going to be able to make enough money from this? Right. Yeah these prices. So it's a little bit different. And I know I'm, I'm being general here, but this is no, typically perfect. absolutely what I see. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 okay. So let's ask this. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think something that you touched upon is probably the most important thing. And the part that I've personally see people struggle with, which is this mm-hmm. value. Um, yeah. And here, here's what I see. And I would love for your, just, I guess, maybe for you to share your thoughts of what you've seen mm-hmm. and or how you've overcome this, which is right when someone looks at the value, right? They're never looking at the value of it. Okay. Let me, let me rephrase. I don't, cause I don't want to use absolutes. Not never, but <laughs> a lot of times they're looking at the value of them. They're looking inwards at the value, right. not at the value of the service to the person. And that's, that's mm-hmm. my experience. Mm-hmm. So how, how have you either helped people or you know, work with them to help them shift to see, cause, cause, and again, I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here that when we look at the value, it's got to be the value to them because the value to me is yes. whatever I say it is, but the value, it's always the end person. So how do I, how would you help someone who's looking internally mm-hmm. at the value versus externally? Right. So you have to look at the value from the customer's perspective. That's clear. And typically what we do is we make assumptions at first, right? So we, we assume we know what the customer is, is talking about. And one of the best ways to test out or even avoid having to make assumptions at first is to do customer interviews, mm. <laughs> right? And when you ask the right questions in the right way, you can get this information from them. And one of the biggest challenges that most of us have, and I confess I get trapped in this all the time myself, is that I talk about the value in my words rather than the customer's words, which mm. is, you know, they don't, my customers aren't sitting at home at night laying in bed going, God, I wish my prices were, were robust and good. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're thinking, man, I wish I could make some more money and go on vacation in next month. Right. <laughs> right? I got so bills I, to pay. I got bills to pay. Yeah. You know, so they're talking about it and this is all true in almost all businesses is that they're talking about it and, what they value is often different than what we think. So we have to make the effort and and take the time to go out and talk to them. And I don't know about you, but I so often, especially with young businesses, say three years and, and younger, the number of them that have actually done customer insight interviews is very low. And it always makes me cringe when I, I meet, especially those who are developing software solutions. Right. You know, they're two, three years in, they've got their platform up and running. And I say, okay, what did you learn from customer interviews? And they go, oh, we've never done them. <laughs> it, you know, and because they are so important. And let me be clear about one other thing here. A customer insight interview is not, hey, we make this, do you want it? 
That's a sales <laughs> discussion. Right. <laughs> right. A customer insight interview is what's your problem? What challenges do you have in the context of, you know, this thing here? What do you look for in a solution? What are you doing now? How do you decide what would be the best solution for you? You know, it's, it's so are a you different asking these type of conversation. Of, are you asking these questions of someone who's already a customer or someone who might become a customer? Both, or ideally. Both. <laughs> yeah, because then you can see how the perception of value changes. Mm, yeah, because okay. people who are customers usually will have a very different perception of value than those who are prospects because they've had that experience with you already. Okay. And so when you're doing these insight interviews uh -uh. with these customers, uh, let's say potential customers, uh -huh. you know, are you framing that in a, in a sales conversation? Like, so, Hey, like I'm going to talk to someone about potentially using my product or service, mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to ask these questions in this way to get the information I need um, to, to decide, or, or do you just go mm -hmm. out and like talk to a random subset of people to find it out before you actually right. have sales conversations? Well, I, I would say it's best to sit down with people who you think are in the target group. Okay. First of all. Yeah. Um, so that at least it's a relevant conversation. But I, I, I strongly, my experience, let's put it that way, has been that when customer insight interviews, you kind of forget that you already have a solution mm. because you want to see if what they're looking for and your solution actually jive. But if you just ask them straight up, you kind of put them in an awkward position, whereas if, if they tell you uh, what you want to hear, it might not be true. If they tell you what they believe, it might, need, might, might not be what you need or want to hear. This way, you can actually come at it from a less biased angle. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Because you're at open-ended. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, okay. So, so you, you have these customer interviews and that's sort mm -hmm. of how, how you're deriving it. You know, what advice would you give to someone who maybe is is not feeling confident, right? Like they're not there, mm -hmm. they're they're newer in that journey, or mm -hmm. you know, it's a new product and they just don't know. Maybe they have a lot of experience in something else, but this is a totally mm -hmm. new venture, a new product, mm -hmm. new service, new offering, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, how like, is there any advice that you would give someone to say, hey, like, how do you feel more confident in those conversations so that you know you're setting the right price, factoring in all of these things and not either overvaluing or undervaluing what you're doing? In which conversations? In the interview, the inside interviews, or you mean well, pricing like in, discussions or sales discussions? In in any any context, maybe or maybe you just inter <laughs> in, internally and in saying, okay. "Hey, like I can, I feel comfortable having this conversation now." Because I'm because right. okay. So and let me let me frame this. Okay. My again, my experience has been mm -hmm. when I talk to people about pricing, um, mm -hmm. you know, in in that context, it's always been the, the it's this unknown, and that the unknown again comes internally. Like, well, mm -hmm. what if I charge too much and they say no, or what, you know, will they pay mm -hmm. this much? Or like, there's all these internal questions. And, and right. I would, I would argue that the majority of the time, those questions come from their lack of either understanding, knowing the value or things of that nature. So, right. you know, what, what advice would you give to someone to say, Hey, here's how you can feel more confident in your conversations right. going in. Because mm -hmm. if I go to have that customer insight conversation or a sales conversation or mm -hmm. any of these conversations and mm -hmm. I'm feeling unconfident or non-confident or. I don't know what the word is there, but uh, I'm a lack of not confidence. confident. <laughs> a there we go. A lack of confidence lack of about confidence. myself and what I'm bringing to the table. That's going right. to be communicated, whether I want it to be or not, yes. right? Because my body language is yeah. going to do it. Like the words that I choose, all that's going to be impacted. So, yeah. how you know what have you, what have you seen with people who have struggled with that internally? Yeah. So the best way that I've found to reduce that 
is through preparation and practice. And it sounds, you know, nobody wants to hear this because this is what everybody tells you. You got to practice. You got to prepare. Da, 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 da. But it, I can't tell. I emphasize enough that there's a it's, reason for it's that. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a reason for that. I, I give you an example. So one of the things that happens when we throw a price out there, a customer says, "Oh, what do you charge for that?" And you say, "Oh, a million bucks," and they go, "Oh, that's too expensive." right? Is it triggers us. So it goes back to the old flight or flight response, right? And it triggers us. And what happens is that literally the brain sort of disconnects, the cognitive part of the brain disconnects. So you can't think, which is why you go, uh, (laughs) 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 or some people go into like defensive mode and they're like, yeah, but I have to do to do to do. Right. So they're, they're going into fight mode. What we would prefer to do is to go into a cognitive mode and be able to actually do something like respond rather than react and, you know, do something that feels intelligent. And by preparing in advance for what you think you could say. So if somebody says that's too expensive and you have never thought about what you would say, then you have to come up with that on the fly. And if your brain's disconnected, then you're going to be stumbling and stuttering and and trying to figure out what to do. And probably you'll be like, well, I'll offer you 10% because that seems like the easiest thing to do to offer a 10% discount. Right. (laughs) But that's not the best thing. Everyone starts like, Oh, I'll just discount the price. But it's not the best thing for your business. And it's also probably not the best thing for the customer. Right. And we can come back to that in a moment. But so by preparing you, I mean, here are things you can just be silent. They say that's too expensive. You just zip it. And eventually they will feel the silence and they will usually do so by trying to justify why they're saying that. They'll start thinking out loud. (laughs) Or you could say, oh, that's interesting. Can you tell me more? So now if you've already thought about that in advance and someone objects the price, you don't have to think about how to respond. You already know. Now, you can't account for every possibility. Of course. But with five or 10 minutes of preparation, you could make it much easier on yourself to feel more confident because you'll know how to respond to certain situations. I like it. I like it. So I I heard something a long time ago. I don't remember who told me, Mm -hmm. to be honest, but, you know, that that, uh, price is only ever an objection in the absence of value. Um, yeah. And so, and it's, it's, it's something, it's so true, but I, I love that. Like the just simple idea of just being quiet because it's true. People will like jump in, well, you know, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's human nature. Yeah, it is human nature. And I mean, the other thing is, you know, that when it comes to pricing objections, you don't understand what's behind the objection. Yeah. Just think about this. How many times have you, thought about buying something, been given the price and said, oh, I don't have the money for that. When the money has either been in your pocket or in the bank. Mm -hmm. Probably almost every time. Right. Right. So the, the real, the hidden answer behind that is this isn't a priority for me right now, or I don't see the value in it for me yet. Absolutely. It's not actually, I don't have the money. Interesting. So what you're trying to do by pausing or by asking a a question is you're actually trying to get them to explain to you their thought process 
about why it's expensive because then you know how to respond later on. Makes sense. Yeah, you're getting to like the root cause of the objection versus just whatever they're saying yeah. it is. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I want to go back. You you mentioned, okay. hey, like, you know, sometimes discounting your price is not the best thing for the customer or for your business. I mean, obviously yeah. for your business, I think that's pretty straightforward, right? Like mm -hmm. obviously you yeah. need money to operate, to live, to, you know, mm -hmm. all those mm -hmm. things. But uh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm curious that uh, why, why is it not the right thing for a customer? I think there's two things. And one is more at a subconscious level. It's basically telling the customer that this is of less value than you said it was. So in mm -hmm. a sense, it's kind of breaking trust. Okay. I mean, most people wouldn't totally explain it that, that way, yeah. but you know, on a subconscious no, level, you're kind of saying, well, I lied a little bit. It's a little bit less <laughs> than I thought it was. And that's one aspect of, but I think especially for services, I would say there is a, often an issue around engagement. And when you discount and you're saying that the value, you're communicating that the value is actually lower, it tends to have an impact on, or if you have lower prices, it tends to have an impact on engagement. People often will be less engaged in the process and therefore less likely to get the outcomes. That totally makes sense. And mm -hmm. I, I love both of those because they're, they're, they're so great. I, there was a, a mentor of mine who, um, speaking mentor and coach, mm -hmm. But he had me, uh, one of the things he taught us was whenever you're, you're writing an email or you're in a mm -hmm. conversation or doing anything that you said you would do something and then you go mm -hmm. do that thing, don't mm -hmm. just say, here's the thing that I said I would do. Say, as promised, here's the thing. And he's like, yeah. that little phrase of just adding as promised um, in people's minds gets them to say, oh, he promised something and then he did yes. it building trust and that helps build rapport and it's it's yeah. a simple it's a simple thing but it's the same thing here right with, with mm -hmm. pricing you're saying hey like you know i told you this is it and it's just in the reverse situation so i like that right. I, and i think that's i've never heard anyone con contextualize it in that way in the sense of mm -hmm. hey like you know you're 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 breaking trust when you devalue the. i, I, I mm -hmm. sorry i love that also <laughs> with yourself yeah also yeah. with yourself True, yeah. true, true. Because you like you you know you wouldn't be asking for it if you didn't think it was worth that in the first place. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. There's a time and place in some businesses to use discounts, but I I always always tell people, see, there's there's an I I said I would do it, but I did anyhow. Um, I always tell people that discounts should come with a trade off, right? And just giving somebody 10% off because they asked or because they said it was too expensive is not a good reason to give a discount. There should be a trade-off of value there. Um, and then maybe <laughs> it's a wise decision, at least from a, a trade-off perspective, whether or not it's a wise decision from a business perspective is something different. No. Very much so. That should also be looked at. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all these different things. Okay. So mm -hmm. I, I want to ask a more tactical question because okay. this is something that I get asked a lot and, and I don't mm -hmm. have a good answer. I have, I've done my research and, and have my mm -hmm. answer, but I won't, I don't want to, mm -hmm. I don't want to share it until after you share yours. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of things that we see, especially in services, courses, events, mm -hmm. th things that are, you know, even, even in physical products to a certain extent, which mm -hmm. is do you make the last number a seven, a nine, a five, a three? And I, I know, I, I'm sure you ask this all the time. And yeah. I have my thoughts about this, mm -hmm. but uh, but I was, yeah. I was genuinely curious, does it even matter? Yeah. 
Very good. Uh, great question. I get it all the time as well. I, I feel you, you have to, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to. And I think there's a there's a couple things at play here. So pricing psychology is uh, incredibly interesting. Um, sometimes it feels a little devious. <laughs> but what I always tell people is if you don't understand it and you're doing the wrong things, it can hurt your business as much as doing the right things can help it. So okay. this is if you if you think, oh, I wouldn't do that because that feel, doesn't feel right to me, know that you should be aware of these things so that you do the right things uh, or you're so that you're not doing the wrong things. Let me put it that way. OK, so the number ending. So there's two things at play. On the one hand, you have the perception of value. And uh, if you go into, say, a Walmart, mm -hmm. price tags are generally ending with nines. Right. And that gives a certain perception there. Usually you'll find that in all of your economy based, you know, the, the, the shops and the retailers that are running yeah. economy based strategies. That's where nines lie here in Switzerland. We don't have um, pennies. The smallest denomination is five. So it's 95 <laughs> by default. Okay. Uh, but yeah, on the other end of the spectrum, if you go into a Louis Vuitton shop, you'll never find in it a nine at the end of the price. You'll find a zero. So on those, uh, they're not really ends of the spectrum because they're zero and nine. They're depending on how you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but, Walmart you know, versus they, Louis Vuitton is just yeah. a little bit different. <laughs> From a value perspective, they communicate two different things. Okay. Then on the other side, you have um, the endings themselves. And from the research that I've seen, there are certain numbers that seem to convert more, which I think is what you're talking about. So rarely will you ever, and I think maybe you might, you'd be hard pressed to find a price that ends in a one. Right? Yeah, I can't yeah, think I'm of a single case, maybe $11. <laughs> But I would suspect that you probably wouldn't even see that. So very rarely will you ever see anything end in one, in two, in three, even in four, or six, or eight. They tend not to convert. Now, with the online market, they started to shift to sevens. And my feeling or my, my own theory about that is they didn't want to use the nines because of the, the value message that it sends. So they were looking for an alternate and, you know, 87, 97, it sounds good. Rolls off the <laughs> it sounds yeah. better. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue nicely. Um, it looks nice on a page. So, you know, that is, is kind, as far as I know, that's kind of where that came from. I could be totally wrong about that, but I would say, think about, you know, are you trying to be the low price leader in your market? If so, then ending in nines is not a bad idea. If you're trying to project a more premium image, then nine ending with zero can be a benefit. Uh, for online, I, I also would say the following, that if somebody's willing to pay 97, they're probably willing to pay 100. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, okay, okay. 97 to how it's a little different, you know, 27 to 30 or 1997 to 2000. I mean, it's I, a few dollars I, in the end of the day. It's a few dollars in the end of the day. And um, it doesn't, it can, I mean, if you sell, 
if you're, you know, if the price is difference is $3 and you sell a thousand of them a year, that's 3000 bucks. <laughs> and I would guess that if your price was 3000, you could still stand a few, sell a few less and it would, it wouldn't hurt you too much. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so no, that's perfect. That's always been my thought. I was like, look, yeah, like no. the same, my point has been the same to everyone, which is, mm-hmm. Hey, like if they're going to pay 97, they'll pay 99, they'll pay a hundred. They'll probably yeah. even pay 105 because the, the, the mm-hmm. difference in, you know, that value there is, is nominal to m- right. most people, right? You're talking about, I mean, should people spend more money on, on coffee at Starbucks than, uh, than, than, than uh, that? So I don't think it matters that much. And I think a lot but, of people let that prevent mm-hmm. them from, like, like, they get in this like, well, but what, but, but, but I'm like, just pick a price, go with it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, there are studies that show that, uh, you know, from a price perception to 99, our brains kind of eliminate the 99 and say it's $2. And if it's you know, 200, and if it's 300, then we see the 300 and 200 is less than three. So you know, there is there is scientific evidence to do that. But here's the thing. Most of us with small businesses are not doing super high volume businesses. Right. So the benefit of it is fairly limited. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like if I'm selling, if I'm selling 10 million of something, well, a dollar difference can make a huge, you know, uh, exactly. impact the bottom line. Exactly. So what, what about when you get into like bigger increments versus, so let's oh. say like nine, $97 versus 997 versus 9,900, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, it, you know, and obviously they're much bigger numbers, but mm-hmm. something that I heard from, I think it was, Alex Sharfin, who works with, with Ty Lopez, uh, he mm-hmm. talks about like people think in like these hundred, uh, hundred dollar increments up to a thousand and then after a thousand, it's a thousand dollar increment. Have you mm-hmm. seen similar things where people's mindset, um, in, in the value of these jumps into different numbers makes a difference or, or is, is that just bogus? <laughs> Well, I haven't, I haven't looked for, so I haven't seen any research specifically on that. I'm trying to think, um, based on my own experience, I, you know, a lot of this also depends on who you're targeting, right? right? So if you're talking, targeting high net worth individuals, then, you know, <laughs> even hundred dollar bills, you know, you know, so you, you, you might consider just rounding it up to the nearest thousand or 10,000 or so, you know, okay. I'm being a little bit frivolous here, but I, the point is, yeah, some, some guy's is, walking around yeah. with 10,000 in his pocket as play change. Right. It's very different than a guy who's walking around with $10 right. as right. play change. Right. Um, and, you know, if you take the time to look at the price based on a cost plus and the co- price based on the market and the price based on the value and the price based on customer willingness to pay, you can start to see where those things would start to overlap. And then it will help you to narrow down what that price range could be. And usually the price itself falls out. I mean, I was with a client last week and it was like 400 or 4,972. And we're like, not call that 4,750 or something like that. (laughs) You know, whatever it was, I don't remember the exact numbers, but we're like, okay, let's, you know, that doesn't sound like what, um, what the message is that we want to give. And that's also an important point. Now, if you're doing, say, consulting work and you give a price of, you know, $150,000 for your consulting package, $150,000 is such a round number, but that it doesn't 
give the perception that you've spent a lot of time trying to determine the right price. Right. <laughs> so you might totally be better off. You might be better off just calling it 155250 right? Because then it feels more precise and it looks to the customer like you've actually put some effort into coming up with a number. It's not just like, well, I threw a dart landing on 200000 <laughs> so we'll call it a day. <laughs> right. Um, okay. I, and, I, and I think that that's, that's super important too, like understanding, yeah. hey, like the value. So I know when we sold a lot of our houses, mm-hmm. we would do that. Like, so let's just say, Cause I was doing real estate for a long time. You mm-hmm. know, we sell a house and I'd listed at, you know, two, two fifty seven nine a nine twenty four or something like that. And every time someone would be like, 24 weird price. <laughs> and I'm like, but got your attention, didn't it? Got you to stop yeah. and look at the house. Yeah. And that, and that, and that was part of it. Cause every house on the market, like, like at least here is like, you know, they always put it like, it's either, it's like, just below whatever the next marker is. And mine's like this weird number. So then it makes them go, wait a second, what, what is that? Yeah, like, it makes yeah. them stop. So I think there's okay. value in that too. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And, you know, I'd like to to make sure that people understand, first of all, don't hold up putting out your prices because you can't figure out how to end it. I mean, that's right. just, that's the definition of insanity by my, <laughs> by my You standards. are literally getting in your own way. Just p- and, roll and a dice, about, pick a number. Yeah, yeah. Think about what message that number sends people and is that aligned with your business because one of the big things big things that i see is people say one thing about their brand like their brand is communicating we're high value and then on black friday they're offering discounts right. completely mismatch completely dis um what am i saying um think of the word disconnected disconnected, right and so you know this is a good example that you gave you know you wanted to grab people's attention well a price like that certainly will make people stop and 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 look at it and and think about it more and so sometimes you want to do something that's against the grain because it actually gets people's attention your prices are constantly communicating with people and the messages they're sending are very loud and clear, but of, often going on at a subconscious level. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to ask maybe yes, another sir. slightly technical question. Okay. Um, so he, at least here in the States, and I can't speak for mm-hmm. Switzerland at all because I, I do not follow the economy there <laughs> at all. But here in the States, you know, we're, we're going to, we're, we're already hitting as of the end of October, about 11% inflation for the year. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're figuring it's going to be much higher. We don't know what the November number is yet, but we're there. So one of the things I'm starting to see is, you know, obviously this, this friction of people saying, well, have, if you haven't raised your prices by 11% this year, you're literally taking a a pretty significant pay cut in terms Mm -hmm. of whatever you're offering. So Mm -hmm. how, how have you seen that working in terms of, you know, is it, I guess, how do you handle higher levels of inflation, which we haven't seen in a long time? Um, and in, in what we're seeing. And again, I don't know what, it, what it's like there, but here, mm-hmm. you know, that, literally I was just, I was having a conversation uh, with someone who d- doesn't really understand um, mm-hmm. inflation. And I was like, look, like what? you, you have a regular job. Um, if you get a 3% pay raise this year, which is fairly standard, you literally actually took, you know, at this point in time, you know, a, a, a 7% pay cut, not a 3% mm-hmm. pay raise. Um, right. And, but people aren't, you know, so, and it's, I think this goes back to the, Hey, I got this price list that's 20 years old. Um, so how do, how do we handle that? Like yeah. from your perspective? 
Yeah, yeah. This is a really great question. It's definitely top of mind uh, for people right now. So in a, in a normal time period, inflation in the U.S. usually runs, or, or most most of the world, Switzerland is usually a little bit, They when, when inflation hits 2 or 3%, they're like, oh my God, here. <laughs> <laughs> so we run a little bit lower typically on inflation. Um, but in a typical normal time period, um, inflation runs about 2 to 3% in most of um I say the uh, in North America, in Europe, and right. and and whatever. And if you're not changing prices every year, then basically each year you're granting a two to three percent discount to your customers, effectively, right? Yep. And so the price that you're getting from them is two to three percent lower. And you're if you're buying things in your business to run it, then you're paying two to three percent more more likely mm. than not. And so you also have a hit on the bottom line. So it starts also to squeeze you. Two becomes four or six. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. It exactly, just squeezes exactly. you. And if you, you know, just like a loan, the interest on your loan or a, con- or a credit card compounds, this compounds over time. This is why the 20 year price list is so ghastly. <laughs> you know, because it's it, a it, fantastic it, term for it. Ghastly. I love it. <laughs> Okay. So now in this time when inflation is really high, you have, if you haven't done anything before, then you're really going to start to feel the pinch. Now, here's the thing. Most people spend more time, effort, and energy trying to find ways to lower their prices than they do trying to hold them or raise them. Wow. If I asked you, like you're saying that, I'm literally thinking to myself. Yeah, I probably do that. <laughs> yeah. How many times have you sat there trying to figure out, okay, what kind of discount can I offer? And how many times have you sat there thinking, oh, how can I, you know, raise the price on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh, true. Like, like literally, I can, can, I, can I grind another 1% or 2% off of this service <laughs> provider over here? Or, you know, if, if I buy this in bulk over there, or if I pay for the annual subscription, I save this. Yeah, but never like, right. how do I, yeah, that's... Yeah. And and it it it's it's part of the reason for that is because most of what people know about pricing they learned from being a consumer. They learned from the retail world. Mm. But what works in a retail world doesn't necessarily work in a small business. You know, clothing retail, it's moving, you know, it's just moving inventory, 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 inventory. If you apply those tactics like a Black Friday to a small business, <laughs> it probably isn't going to have the same impact. Yeah, certainly, yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. usually won't have a positive one. So <laughs> um, we have to be careful about that. Um, what I've recommended, and it, it really depends on the industry, it really depends on the business, but I here's the thing. There are going to be, with inflation rising, that means there are fewer customers who are going to be spending money more wisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fewer people will have the money to spend on things. The ones that do will be looking to spend their money more wisely. It's not wislier. It's more wisely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that for a moment. I like wislier. And- <laughs> so complete side tangent. I had a, a mentor teach me, look, if you only know one way to spell a word, you lack creativity. <laughs> I'm very creative with my words. So wislier makes sense. Wislier. All the the uh, editors and copywriters out there cringing. Um, so anyway, so if you, um, where was I? Now I lost my train of thought. <clears throat> if you, uh, yes, so your, your, 
No, not completely lost it. <laughs> this is, this is I why I don't love it when that happens. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. <laughs> it'll come back to me. It's just a matter of if it'll come back to me now or tomorrow morning. <laughs> no. So the question was about the 11%, right? Yeah. So for most people, you're going to be squeezed um, from the top and from the bottom. There's fewer people, that's where I was, there are fewer people who are going to be spending money and they're going to want to spend it wiselier. <laughs> and so most people's instinct would be to drop their prices to get more volume. But if there's already fewer people out there going to buy, you're never going to pick up enough volume in order to make enough money. Right, to yeah, to make the, the same, yeah. to compensate for it. So you'd be better off, and maybe you can't do 11%, you'd be better off making small price increases or even big ones if you can manage that, then you will lowering your prices. Now, how can you increase prices? There are a multitude of ways. Now, most businesses can sustain or should be able to sustain at least a 10% 10% price increase before they start to worry about customers fleeing. Okay. And most That's people huge. cringe when I say that. Yeah. But it, there are few industries where the prices are so elastic that a 10% price increase would make enough customers choose to buy somewhere else that it would be less profit for you. Now, of course, it, this all depends on your industry and you need to look at it. But if you say, say you're not willing to do 10, say you're only willing to do five, at least you're partway there. And also be a creative about how. So here in Switzerland, we have two major grocery stores, the Co-op and the Migro. And over the last, uh, say, 18 months to two years since COVID started, uh, I've been watching what's been going on in the grocery stores. And over time... Now, as a consumer, none of us like to hear this, but um, we're big adults. We can, <laughs> we can handle it. Package sizes have gotten smaller. Yep. Prices have gone up slightly. So not as significantly as they would if they kept the same package size. So they've actually adjusted the offer. Now, you may not feel comfortable doing that, but you could create other offers that were possessioned differently. Ideally, if they're higher offers, they would have you know, higher value. Yeah. Um, or you could target a different customer group that maybe isn't as um, affected by the inflation rate. You know, there's lots of different ways to go about doing it. And I encourage people to be creative in that as well. As creative as you are with lowering your prices, try and be that creative <laughs> and raising them as well. <laughs> yeah. No, that's perfect. And I, mm -hmm. it's so it's such a it's a simple transition. And one of the things yeah. I remember, I, I taught a lot from stage is that, you know, I teach a lot of marketing and, mm -hmm. you know, it's, hey, like the higher up that you're making these adjustments in your flow of cash, the more impact they have at the bottom, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I always used to give the example of, you know, you can spend, mm -hmm. you know, five hours this week grinding down your contractor to get, you know, his lumber cost and, you know, whatever down by five grand. And that's great. You just save five grand. That's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. I was like... But what if you spent that same time, you know, getting your marketing fine-tuned more at the top of the thing? Or, you know, I mean, it's like mm -hmm. the higher up. And, and that's a very specific example. But the point being, like, if you adjust your price up here, 
it has, you know, it's going to impact more down the road as, as things go right. along. So I think that's such a well, point. I think also we have to keep in mind as we're purchasing things that, you know, yeah, it feels good to get a great deal, but what if that great deal leads to that business not being there six right. months down the road? Uh, and I think we'll see, you know, we've seen a lot of businesses um, close over the last 18 months and we'll see, we'll probably see more. Um, it's been a difficult time for all. So how can we do it and, you know, take care of ourselves, but taking care of each other, I think is also a very important topic right now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we're, we're, uh, Heading, heading towards the end of our time, I feel like I have some more <laughs> conversations with you. In fact, I have a couple of ideas. Maybe we'll talk about have you back on. But uh, okay. thank you so much. This, this yeah. has been a this has been a great conversation. And I and like mm-hmm. I, I, for everyone listening, hope you took away some some interesting ideas on how you can how can work this. So thank you for being on. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Absolutely, absolutely. And for all of you watching and or listening, as always, thank you for being here, for giving of your time. It's the most important thing you can give to me. And I'm happy that you chose to spend it with uh, the two of us, uh, whatever whatever time, day, <laughs> night, whatever it is. As always, making one simple payment for this show is simply sharing it with a friend. Let them know let's go, let them, what's going on. I guarantee you, if you're a business owner, or you know another business owner that probably needs to hear this conversation mm-hmm. around pricing. So let them know, let them hear it, uh, drop a comment, tag them. And as always as well, please make sure wherever you're listening or watching, drop a, a comment, a review, a five-star review, or a one-star review if you thought it sucked for whatever reason. I'll read them <laughs> all. You know, hopefully, hopefully it didn't. I don't think it did, but uh, you know, I might be a little bit biased on my own show. Um, but anyways, thank you for being on. And we'll see you guys on another episode next week. Take it easy. This podcast is sponsored by 3 Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, 3 Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.